Blog Talk Radio. The opinions and views expressed by the host and guest are not necessarily the views and opinions of the Blake Radio Network. Broadcasting, broadcasting, broadcasting to the world, broadcasting to the world, to the world, to the world, spreading the news and information. BlakeRadio.com, music for your mind, body, and soul. Talk Radio. Dr. Daniels, and welcome to Healing with Dr. Daniels at the Blake Radio Network, Rainbow Soul. And today is Tuesday, March 1st, 6 p.m. Eastern Time. And the topic is, somebody is stalking you. Yes, somebody is stalking you. And will you succumb to these terrorist threats? So tonight, I'm going to share a the disturbing, even threatening information my husband's receiving in the mail. Yes, that would make it a felony, you think. And you're probably getting the same threatening mail. Because I've checked in the internet, and I'm fighting these threats everywhere, actually. Uh, the police have already been alerted, and they are standing down. Yes. So don't be ambushed. And tonight, I'm going to analyze the threat and share ways to respond so you do not become a casualty. And as always, think happens. All right. I tell you, you can't make this stuff up. So, as many of you know, I am married. So my husband, just by the way, gets noises in the mail, indicating that he is eligible for health insurance coverage. Of course, he already has 100% medical and dental uh, as a part of his retirement, whatever, at no cost. Yet, he gets these offers from the very retirement board that administers 100% coverage plan, urging him to change, urging him to sign up. What hotel is better than 100% coverage? I don't know. But each communication gets more urgent. Reply now or you will not be covered. Add a dependent. And ask for such details about your dependent age, address, social security number. Date of birth. It's almost like a data mining identity theft program. In order to get this in perspective, you have to realize I'm a little older, so I remember the good old days. You wanted to add a dependent, you just wrote your name down by Gallery, and that was the end of it. Now, name, social security, number, date of birth, where are they? I mean, it's like 
in case they want to kidnap this individual and know where to find them. Then at the bottom, real country. Any errors or omissions, $5,000 fine and criminal charges. Now, these, uh, this information started showing up about three years ago. And as many of you may know, there's no street names or house numbers in the part of Panama where I live. This means we pick up our mail at the mail center. Well, I used to just hand my husband the letter. Then, I noticed, I was getting all agitated. And he would say things like, honey, read this. What do we have to do? I would read it. Their answer, of course, is nothing. Since we don't want any health insurance, and we don't want any health care. Then one day, picked up one of those flyers and said, honey, I love you. And I want to add you to my health insurance. I told him that was not going to happen. I refused. He told me that refusing his gesture of love hurt him deeply, and he didn't talk to me for three days. And this is really a big deal. You realize that we never argue over anything. And that was when I decided not to hand any more of those letters to my husband. But they kept coming. I'm being nice to him. And the threats became more dire. Open enrollment was ending. This was the last few days to make a decision. Or he would be barred from changing plans for six months. And then, of course, there's threats. The threats. And if you do not enroll in Medicare Part B, you will pay a penalty if you later enroll in Medicare Part B. And, of course, the penalty is 10% per year, paid monthly, and for every year that you delay, that's how many years you pay the penalty. If you can figure that out, you probably already got a CPA. And so the threats, of course, became more severe, more dire, and more vague. And finally, I said to myself, I said, wait a minute. Wait, five minutes. Yeah, wait, I can't and take a minute. These people are supposed to be helping. Yet every letter is filled with threats. These people are stalking my husband. There's a law against that. And that's what this thing is. It is stalking. And so I said to myself, you know, my husband can't be the only person. Can't be the only person getting this type of harassment. No, not possible. So I did what everyone else reasonable person would do. I checked on the internet. I said, well, is this, what is going on? Are other people being stalked? And you know, it's so bad that they actually go so far as to use the word stalking. And this is inside edition. Those of you who watch TV, I think it's an investigative TV show. Yes. And they say here, what they're investigating is insurance companies' practices in selling insurance to the elderly. So uh, these two guys, Baylog and Davis, both teach courses training people for their new jobs as agents for Bankers Life and Casualty, a giant 100-year-old insurance company based in Chicago, Illinois. Every day, the company and its agents reach out to thousands of senior citizens across the country. They are offering to sell them insurance that would enhance Medicare, the government-provided health insurance for senior citizens. 
And the regional director says, as he is uh, saying, he's teaching these people, he says, how many of you watch nature shows? And you watch how the big cats trap their prey? That's what you're doing. You're stalking. They're not my words. Their words, the industry says you're stalking these seniors. Okay. He said, you see these buzzards up in the sky? They're circling. Davis told his students, you're trying to open that worry box. You need to have them almost in tears. So this is an explicit insurance company policy to scare seniors into purchasing coverage. We know they don't need it, right? Because Medicare Inspector General admits that Medicare coverage alone kills 180,000 elderly people just from the health care that Medicare allows them access to. So obviously buying a supplemental policy is just going to allow the person access to even more killing and further increase their probability of being killed. So we have here serious stalking going on. And the consequences of that stalking is that people receive coverage, if you will, that they pay for, pay money for, and leads to their early death. They're being killed. So this is, this is serious. This is deadly activity. So what's the government doing about this? Not a lot. But let's just see how bad this goes. He says, you need to have them in tears. He says, You've got to have them in the nursing home. You've actually got to put them in the nursing home during the presentation, Boylock said. I know that you don't want to talk about your son changing your diaper or your daughter feeding you or somebody else giving you a sponge bath any more than I do. So he gives the agent these words to use as he talks to the, the elderly people. <coughs> My husband's lucky. Apparently got threatening letters. Apparently, elderly people across the country are getting threatening visits, menacing visits, and real pressure, pressure tactics. And so what are they being pressured to do? Now, I have to point out to you the date of this. This is June 11th, 2010, that this particular expose came out. Now, this SSA, you know, this is a regular, uh, you know, run-of-the-mill, reputable insurance company. It's not a fly-by-night individual uh, or something. So let's take a look and see uh, what, what the government's got to say about this. So methods used by insurers are questions. Insurance companies have used improper hard sell packages to persuade Medicare recipients to sign up for private health plans that cost the government far more than the traditional Medicare program and, of course, cost the Medicare recipients even more money. Now, this is a Medicare tactic, but I'm sure it's being provided towards everyone who is eligible for insurance. And... This is something 
that I think all Americans are being subject to. And now with the passage of the Obamacare Act, people are, people are terrified. They're trying to avoid what they perceive to be uh, a penalty of some sort. And so I've been at this health insurance thing for a while now, I guess you could say 30 years. And so one thing I knew, that Medicare Part B, the part pays for a doctor, is absolutely 100% optional. You do not have to get that coverage. And so here's where we can find information about that. One source says this. Now listen very carefully. Medicare Part B is, you know, if you are eligible to enroll in Medicare Part B but do not enroll or have alternate health coverage, you will pay a penalty if you later enroll. Okay. This suggests that Part B is required. But if you go to another website, uh, medicare.oneexchange.com, they say Medicare Part B is optional. Optional. It has been and is still optional. In other words, as a senior citizen, once you are eligible for Part A, which is free, that's the insurance plan that covers hospitals, it's free. Once you are eligible for that, you have satisfied all of your insurance requirements under the Obamacare Act. You are not in any way obligated to buy another penny of insurance if you choose not to. That's uh, an important piece of information. Of course, you would never guess this from the threatening uh, letters that uh, my husband's been getting. Well, Medicare Part A is hospital coverage with no premium to pay. You don't have to pay any premium. But there is a deductible, $1,000 per hospitalization, more or less, and then a copay. And receiving Social Security is all you need to do to be eligible for that. Medicare Part B. Again, at no point has anyone told the public that they do not have to buy Part B. And I remember when I was in the Indian Reservation, which is in northern Wisconsin, we had uh, our own tribal health plan. And it turned out that if we could get our tribal members individually to sign up for Medicare Part B and pay the premium, that the insurance plan for the tribe would be the secondary coverage. And so what was the premium back then, 1986? $10 a month. $10 a month is the insurance premium for Medicare Part B. It's now $121 a month. And that's the minimum. If you, if you, if you flunk the income test, you can go as high as $336 a month. But it's optional. But, so what we did, honestly, is what we What the tribal administration decided was not to tell the tribal members that Part B was optional, was to force them to pay Part B so that the tribe's expenses would be less and the tribal leaders would be able to pocket more of the health care dollars. So this is also what's going on now. If people are being railroaded into thinking that Part B is compulsory, <laughs> I'm telling you, if, you're, uh, if you have Medicare or you're on a budget, Part B may not be reasonable. And if you think Part B is something, get a load of Medigap coverage. So what's Medigap? Well, first of all, let's talk about Part B. So Part B pays the doctor. And what does it do? You have a deductible of more or less $156 for the year. 
and then with a 20% per visit uh, copay. Doesn't sound like much until you get a load of the humongous bill uh, that you can accumulate. So in other words, if you're looking at a $33,000 hospital admission and a $10,000 doctor bill, 20% of the doctor's $10,000 doctor bill becomes $2,000 for that hospitalization. And then you look at the $33,000 uh, hospitalization and your copay under Part A can be less substantial. And so let's just say you want to know what can you do? What, what kind of Medigap policy could you purchase to cover the gap? And there's a gap between what Part B doesn't pay and what Part A doesn't pay. And so you go to, and this is one of the better insurance companies, the Cluster of Share site, the Insurance Transformation, and what does it say at the bottom? This is a solicitation of insurance. By providing your contact information, you agree that our senior 65 authorized representatives the licensed insurance agent may contact you by phone or email to answer your questions or provide additional information about Medicare Advantage to see if you don't have questions. Part B or Medicare Supplement Insurance Plan. Okay. So in other words, it's a solicitation. So once you put in all the information and click, boom, tell me what the premiums are. Here it is. I hope you're sitting down. If you want a Medigap policy, this is a simple policy. Well, you've already got Part A is free. You decide you're going to sign up for Part B. You're already paying $121 a month because you earn $85,000 a year or less. Let's just say. If Aetna provides your monthly insurance plan, it's $380 a month. And if you take a look, if you take a look at the, uh, you know, what does a Medicare recipient get in a check? You're looking at, you know, in many cases, $1,000 or even less. And so $380 a month is what going to charge. Because on top of the $121 you're already paying for Part B, that's a lot of money. It's like uh, $500. I have a $1,000 Social Security check. If Humana provides the same policy, $423. If Mutual of Omaha provides the same policy, $457. And if Sigma provides the same policy, same coverage, $489. That is a lot of money. And then, of course, at the bottom of the, of the form, what does it say? Any person who knowingly and with intent to defraud, who can tell that, any insurance company or other person files an application for insurance or statement of claim containing any materially false information or conceals information concerning any fact thereto commits a fraudulent insurance act which is a crime and shall be subject to civil penalties not to exceed $5,000 and the stated value of the claim for each violation. That means for each violation, there's a $5,000 penalty. So in other words, if the insurance company disagrees with something you put on your insurance form, they can charge you $5,000 for each claim they pay on your behalf. So, this is a very treacherous situation indeed. 
And there is no question that people are being stalked. It's exactly what this is. This is simply, no doubt about it, stalking. For the purpose of extracting literally 50% of this particular person's income. I'm talking about a Medicare recipient, a Social Security recipient, and extracting from them what amounts to $500 or more per month. So, what do you do about a stalker? I think I'd look that up. See, see now how do you handle stalkers? What do you do about stalkers? Because I, you know, that's just something I'm, I'm thinking, you know, people need help with. All right. So, lastly, I went online. And I went to WikiHow. I like the way WikiHow handles stalkers. There's a lot of different places online, but WikiHow fits my style. The first thing you do is you identify, identify stalker. You figure out, hey, am I being stalked? So, knowing what qualifies as stalking, stalking is a type of harassment, which is the act of making repeated or inappropriate contact with you that is unwanted and unreciprocated. Okay, so we got that. Definitely, these notices my husband's been getting, definitely stalking. These solicitations these seniors are getting, definitely stalking. No question. Stalking can take place in person, with someone following you or spying on you, or it can take uh, place online or by mail. So, first it's okay. You figured out you're being stalked. But what else does WikiHouse say? Determine the type of stalker you have. So some stalkers are more dangerous than others. This is important. A lot of people underestimate the danger of their stalker. And if someone is stalking you, harassing you, trying to coerce you into buying health insurance, especially as a senior, they're putting your life in danger. Again, like I said, all all we need to do is look to the Medicare system itself. Look to Dr. Levinson's report, the Inspector General. He says 180,000 Medicare recipients each year are being killed by the healthcare system. And this killing is facilitated and made possible by Medicare coverage. So this is not a trivial stalker. This is a dangerous stalker. This is a problem. So most stalkers are known as simple stalkers. These are individuals who you know that you may have a romantic or friendly relationship with in the past. The relationship is ended for you, but not for the other person. Well, this is not that kind of stalking. This is a little more serious. Love obsessive stalkers, no, because there's no love involved. Aha. Sometimes a stalker has a psychotic fantasy about a relationship with their victim will often turn from unwanted attention to threats or intimidation. And when this fails, they may escalate to violence. Right, so we have the threats, $5,000 fine. We have the threats, your eligibility period is expiring, and we have intimidation for sure. You may not be eligible for Part B. If you delay, there will be penalties. So this is definitely threats and intimidation. Give us your money now because later it will be more. Okay. So, sense how much danger you are in. And I want people to really do that. Sense how much danger you are in. The doctor will not prescribe the deadly hospitalization 
if he's not getting paid. So skip part B. It could save your life. And so part A, Medigate coverage, which is going to run you 450 bucks. Skip that too. There are a lot of people who when they're in the emergency room and they're told they have a $1,000 deductible, they get right up out that bed and go home. And if they're Medicare, there's a 50% chance that they've escaped harm and 2% chance that they've just saved their lives. Very, very important. So if you're stalked online, and again, most people are being stalked by the mailbox. So you should trust your instincts. Be cognizant of the history of the person's behavior, if you're aware of it, and be realistic about the danger you're in. So you have to be cognizant of the history of these insurance companies. And the history is that they have a habit of paying for deadly, lethal medical intervention and facilitating it and making it easier. And so the history of these stalkers is pretty compelling, very negative, and extremely dangerous. If you feel, if you truly feel like you or your family members are in danger, you should seek help at your local police or sheriff's office or the victim services organization. Well, if you go to your local police with this one, let me tell you, they'll take you to the psychiatrist who will declare you insane, and then they'll admit you against your will, and things will get really bad. So this, unfortunately, is not one that you can go to the victim's office with. What else do you have to do? Be observant. So if you assess the danger, which actually is very high, 40% of Americans die uh, as a result of interacting with the health care system. As a result of the health care they receive, 40% of Americans, this is how they die. So this is a serious risk. More serious than AIDS, more serious than Zika, more serious than Ebola, more serious than all of those combined. So, be observant. If you believe you're being stopped, you should be extra observant of your surroundings. Notice anyone acting strangely or unknown vehicles in your neighborhood or near your workplace. Be sure to take notes about anything you observe that seems unusual. But you can do this. I say, uh, oh, here we have the next step. Distance yourself. Avoid contact with your stalker. Stalkers often feel as though they are in a relationship with their victims. And any contact with the victims makes makes with them is perceived as validation of their relationship, which of course is non-existent. And so don't respond to these solicitations for health insurance. Don't respond. Don't even call back to say no. Don't even agree to talk to an agent. Just ignore them. So don't call, don't write, and don't speak to the stalker. Don't do it. Avoid unintentional signs or messages. Sometimes stalking victims yell or talk to their stalkers. But even overt rudeness can be misconstrued by stalkers who are frequently mentally disturbed as communication of affection or interest and no communication at all. What does this mean? It's not about being stalked online. Don't go online and fill out those insurance company uh, premium quotes. Well, if you do, do what I did. Give them all false information. Then you can get your quote and see what you want to do with it. I got my quote and I shared it with you guys here on the radio show. So just print out these communications for evidence and leave the computer. Yes. 
hide your personal information. So that way then you can use a VPN network. That's a uh, virtual private network. Because the stalker does not have personal information about you, like your phone number, home address, or email address, don't let them find it. So don't give your home number allowed to anyone in public places. Definitely not to use insurance people. And don't put your home address in writing. In cases of extreme stalking, you may want to get a P.O. box. I would definitely recommend that. For your mailing address, so it's less likely you will need to provide anyone with your home address. It's getting just about that bad. And it's fortunate for us that we have an address that has nothing to do with our home address or our physical location. So you may reach the point where to protect yourself from the stalkers that you'll have to separate your physical address from your mailing address. Get a protective order. Unfortunately, the government's in on this one, so that's not going to happen. Move to an undisclosed location. In very extreme cases of potentially violent stalking, you may decide to move to a new place. I think getting a P.O. box might be enough. Don't have your mail forwarded directly to your new home. Be careful when registering to vote in a new place. This is interesting. So acts like registering to vote, renewing your driver's license, all of these trigger information that these insurance companies can have access to. Um, personally, I haven't renewed my driver's license in over seven years. So it's, it's very much expired. Ask for help, yes. Tell a variety of people about your problem. While you may not want to post on social media or announce to a large crowd of people that you have a stalker, it's important to tell enough people that if something were to happen, you may have witnesses. So my husband was lucky, he had me, and when I saw this harassing, stalking literature, I said, you know what, at least I'm not going to share it with him. If possible, show people a photograph of your stalker. Is that? Give them a detailed description. Now, what I would recommend, actually, maybe is sharing this frightening, intimidating, harassing nature with friends of yours. And, um, you know, that's definitely something to consider. You know, if these people in the insurance industry are selling something that's so good, how come they have to harass and intimidate people into buying it? So tell people they should do what they should do if they see the stalker with or without you being around. Should they call you? <laughs> no thanks. Call the police? Probably not a good idea. Tell the stalker to leave? Yeah, okay. And report stalking threats to the police. Again, I, I don't think you have much uh, luck with this because it's the police who are enforcing the threats that the stalker is making. And, of course, you can ask the police if you want to. How you should keep track of incidents. Now, when I practiced medicine, part of practicing medicine, was I was in the newspaper a lot, radio shows, TV shows. And so, of course, I had a few stalkers. And I had no clue how to handle stalkers. I was, like, totally new to that. And so... I got this really awful letter. I don't even want to say it was just a terrible, terrible letter. And so I showed it to another doctor. He says, oh, 
you just put these in your stalker file. And then if anything more comes of it, well, you've got the, you know, you've got the file, you can figure out, you know, whatever happened or who probably did it. I said, oh, okay. So over 10 years of medical practice, we only had to put three letters in the stalker file. And nothing ever happened. Uh, the real threat, of course, turned out to be the government, not any private stalker at all. <laughs> uh, so much for the police. So report the stalking to other appropriate individuals. So if you're a student, they recommend that you contact the campus police, administrator, counselor, residence hall director. Uh, personally, again, if you're a student enrolled in school, the school is intimidating you and stalking you and demanding that you have health insurance in place, which can only serve to destroy your health. So again, you've got this issue where you're being told, in this paper case, to go to your stalker for relief. Alert your family about the danger. I would definitely recommend this. So if you're in danger, your family may also be in danger. In other words, maybe they're covered by health insurance. You need to tell them about the problem and about how to deal with the problem. If you have children, it may be a difficult conversation to have with them, but it may save their lives. Absolutely. You need to have this conversation with your children, this conversation about not only medical care being deadly, but insurance being deadly. And that the best thing they can do for themselves as adults is stay out of this meat grinder. And the entryway to the meat grinder is insurance. So to stop as a member of your family, this may cause division among other family members. In other words, in this case, the stalker happens to sell health insurance or someone your family happens to sell health insurance. That could be a problem. Well, it's going to be difficult. Remember, you're protecting yourself, and the stalker is the one who's responsible for his damaging actions. And, of course, I recommend you seek help from an organization devoted to stalking or violence prevention. And uh, I've never had much luck with those organizations, so I can't really recommend that. But let's... Uh, Take a look then at more about this whole psychology of, of, of stalking and intimidation. So this is a red flag. This is a red flag whenever people start threatening you. If someone's trying to get you to do something, they start threatening you, they to get you to do it. That means that you have a choice. So whenever you start getting uh, threats, that means you've got a choice. And the person threatening you knows you have a choice. And the bigger the threat, the more it means that whatever they're asking you to do is not in your best interest. And in the absence of the threat, you would not do it because the lack of benefit is so obvious. So this is a really important thing to realize when they're being stalked. There's no benefit to whatever the stalker is asking you to do. Whether they're asking you to I don't know, have sex with them, or in this case, give up your life, give up your savings, impoverish yourself, paying monthly premiums for something that uh, is only going to damage your health. So the first thing to do when you realize you're being stalked, and the big trigger is when you're being threatened, is to figure out exactly what it is the stalker is threatening you to do and find a way not to do it. Whatever it is that they're trying to threaten you to do, 
find a way not to do it. Because if what they were advocating was so great, they could paint you a positive, idyllic picture of what your life would be like if you did what they were suggesting. But they can't, because what they're suggesting is useless. And so they're left with the um, only option of threatening you and harassing you. So, one thing that nobody will tell you is Medicare Part B is optional. You need to understand it. It's totally optional. It is a very big uh, intimidation uh, thing to get people to believe they have to get Medicare Part B. Now, you have to get Medicare Part B, pay $121, in order to get stuck for the extra $450 a month, which will cover what Medicare Part B doesn't cover. I say keep the whole ball of wax, which would be, you know, $550, maybe $600. Hey, put it aside every month. At the end of the year, what do you got? It's six thousand bucks. If you don't get sick, go take a vacation. So, the big deal here is don't even get involved. Don't even put your neck in the noose. Just say no to Medicare Part B. Now, insurance is officially regulated at the. Uh, at the state level, officially. So that means then is the states regulate just what the heck is going on here. And it's only with their uh, blessing can uh, this can go on. So what does Texas, oh, here, California Health Advocate. What does California say? And I picked on California's system. I did a search and they came up, so there you have it. So during open enrollment, companies must sell you one of the required Medigap policies at the best price for your age without a health screening. However, companies may impose a waiting period for pre-existing conditions. In other words, they're telling you that you buy Medigap policies, these are rights that you have. So this is just assuming you bought Part D, not even saying, hey, you don't have to buy Part D. So if you're over age 65, and eligible for Medicare, you have a six-month period during which you can purchase any Medigap policy at the lowest price for your age, even if you have a recently had health problems. Again, the only way to buy Medigap is if you've already bought Part B. Your six-month open enrollment period starts the date your Medicare Part B coverage becomes effective. So here we have the assumption of the first sale. To avoid a gap in coverage, you can apply for Medigap policy before the effective date of your Part B coverage and request that the policy begin on the same date as your Medicare benefits. If you became eligible for Medicare when you were younger than 65, you're also entitled to a six-month open enrollment. And if you also delayed enrollment in Medicare Part D, as in dog, that's for drugs, you have only 63 days from the date your employer group benefits and to enroll in a prescription drug program. So we have here this push, push, push. You only have this much time. You've got to do it now. You only have this much time. And other enrollment rights. 
In California, you also have the right to purchase a Medigap policy for six months following the four events below. Following when you end your job or your retirement plan, when you move out of the Medigap plan service area, or you lose your military health coverage, or you lose your Medi-Cal benefits. That would be the equivalent of Medicaid in any other state. So again, what we've had here is a facilitation of the erroneous perception that this health care coverage, if you want to call it that, piece of paper is somehow mandatory when actually uh, it is not. And in my husband's case, it was all the more outrageous because he was already covered by a policy that covered 100% of everything. So he was being invited to purchase a policy that covered less than that for, of course, a fair sum of money. At the same time, while he was applying for the policy, he was being threatened that if any information he gave was inaccurate, then he would be penalized. Again, and threatened that if he delayed Medicare Part B, you know, signing up for it, then by golly, there would be a penalty of 10% for each year he delayed, and that 10% would be added for each monthly premium. And again, it, it's just threats, threats, and more threats. And when you think that the person over, medic, over 65 actually has an increased death rate because of being enrolled in Medicare, it becomes even more uh, troubling. And so we go to original Medicare, and this is important to understand because original Medicare is where you do not have to buy Part B, and original Medicare is at no cost to you, free, yeah, free. It's Part A at no cost. So original Medicare is a traditional fee-for-service program offered directly through the federal government. It is sometimes called traditional Medicare or fee-for-service Medicare. Under original Medicare, the government pays directly for the health care services you receive, you can see any doctor or hospital that takes Medicare anywhere in the country. You go directly to a doctor or hospital when you think you need care. You do not need to get prior permission from Medicare or your primary care doctor. You pay a co-insurance for each service you receive, and there are limits on how much doctors and hospitals can charge you for care. That's original Medicare. It includes Part A, inpatient hospital coverage, and Part B, outpatient medical coverage. Now, they go on and on and on and on without ever telling you that Medicare Part B is optional. You don't have to buy it. The Medicare Part A, this is inpatient hospital coverage, this is a big deal because you know, average hospitalization is $3,000. If you pass by the intensive care unit, it's $82,000. So, uh, you know, that's that's a pretty big uh, chunk of change you can potentially avoid. But again, you can always avoid it by just saying, hey, no thank you, not interested. But part A is no charge, no charge to you. And the thing that has happened is people were sold on the concept of Medicare in 1966. Because this was going to help elderly people not become impoverished due to medical bills. 
unfortunately, now what has happened is the government has uh, so subsidized and fueled the demand for medical services that it has created explosive, explosive um, inflation in the healthcare industry. If tomorrow, just blink, blink tomorrow, healthcare costs were not covered by insurance, nobody had insurance, healthcare prices would literally collapse. It is only the government mandate for people to buy insurance that is keeping healthcare inflated. And it was only the insurance concept in the first place that kept it inflated, where the person was not paying for the service at the time that it was rendered. And so the person at the time the service was rendered was not saying, am I going to spend this dollar bill on my health care, on my electricity, on my rent, on my food, on my vacation, on my clothes, on my grandkids. The dollar that was spent on health care had already been committed long before the consumption ever occurred. And that is a recipe for inflation and increased consumption. And so what is happening here then is the Medicare program and any other insurance program for that matter has by its very existence created, manufactured, and fueled um, health care price escalation. And then, of course, they use that as a, as a further reason to extract even more premiums from people as if the prices for health care in the United States were set in concrete. And the only, only, I mean, the obvious comparison, if you look at other countries where health care prices are even 20% of the United States prices and people are receiving the exact same care, exact same medications, exact same drugs for as little as 20% of the U.S. prices. And this is simply because uh, of this mechanism called insurance and this Uber mechanism called Medicare. And what has happened is the prices have just exploded while the benefit to the individual has plummeted and people are actually being killed by this care. But because there is no free market, people can't say, you know what, I've had enough, I'm out of here because they have to keep paying and paying and paying. And this is something that uh, you know, any uh, drug dealer will tell you is that a major way to keep somebody hooked is you extend them credit six months into advance, and advance so when they stop their drug habit, cocaine or whatever, they still have to pay those very high premiums. So what's a person to do? First of all, realize you don't need to get puppies, and don't get it. Part A, if you accept a uh, Social Security check, then you're automatically enrolled in Part A. But there is no fee associated with Part A. And actually, if all you have is Part A, hospital will find you much, much less attractive and they will not uh, manufacture reasons to uh, admit you and bill your insurance and place you. So, it's actually much, you're in a much safer uh, position there. So, first thing is to know that you don't need Part B. Second, if you get Part B, you, then you open up a whole can of worms. Because once you have Part B, once you're paying uh, that $121 a month, 
then all the predatory Medigap insurers target you. Then you are stopped. Uh, as they say, uh, <laughs> your, your goose is cooked. That's the polite way of saying it. But you're in a bad way. You, you, you pretty much uh, put yourself in a pretty bad position. And so what should you do? If you're, you know, if you have to insure it, what if a really bad happens? That's a good question. The answer is, if something really bad happens, the medical industrial complex isn't going to save you anyway. They don't have a solution that's better than doing nothing. When you're looking at a solution that's the cause of 40% of all deaths in the United States, then you've got to ask yourself, what are you paying for? Most people would not line up to pay hundreds of dollars a month for the privilege of getting AIDS or Zika or Ebola. But any and all of those things are much safer than having medical care. So what people are really doing is they're, they're, they're lining up. They're climbing the scaffold. They're putting their head in the noose and saying, hey, kick out the chair from under me. You know, and they're enthusiastically rushing to their execution. And this is a mechanism to do it. A mechanism, these stalkers are really stalking people, harassing them with these letters, with these intimidation tactics, and just signing up for insurance that's only going to facilitate their demise. So the answer then is just say no. Just say no. All right, so we got some questions. Let's take a look at these questions. Some people are uh, concerned about the sound. This is being recorded on my end, so we'll be posting, hopefully, a high-quality replay uh, at vitalitycapsules.com. So you can go check that out. It should be posted the next day or two. Okay. Now, people automatically sign up for Medicare when they sign up for their Social Security. The answer is yes for Part A, but not for Part B. So Part B is totally unavoidable. And signing up for Part B opens the floodgates where they can fleece you for literally thousands of dollars a month. So if you're concerned about your finances, sign up for Part Don't sign up. Just have them automatically enroll you for Part A, which is free and no cost to you. Do not, I'll repeat that, do not sign up for Part B. So what do you do? Well, what you do is if you get sick, you just handle it the best way you can. Okay. All right, let's see. Sounds as well. Okay, what's the difference between Medicare for Part A and Part B? Part A is hospital care uh, and lab tests that happen in the hospital. And Part B is um, literally the doctor's um, care. And a few other things, basically doctor's office visits, and they're only paid, um, you have a deductible of 167 more or less a year. And then 20% of the allowable Medicare charge is what the doctor is allowed to charge you. And if you're a non-participating doctor, then um, he can bill you or he can submit a bill to Medicare or you can get money from Medicare towards the bill and then you pay him in full. Okay. So he will know how to cure for his insurance. 
Okay, could it be parasites? Okay, so a frozen shoulder is actually not only parasites, but it's one of coined the latest term in that biofilm. So a frozen shoulder is literally the biofilm of parasites. And this junk has literally glued your shoulder together. And really any joint, whether it's your shoulder, whether it's your knee, or whatever. And we can refer to it as frozen. And the simplest cure for frozen shoulder is to drink sauerkraut juice. That's pretty simple. Now, in addition to that, it would be nice if you changed your diet and made a few other changes. So, if you have a frozen shoulder, I would recommend that you go to uh, vitalitycapsules.com forward slash candida, download your report, um, you know, change your diet, clean out your bowels, get some vitality capsules, keep your bowels clean, get that flowing. Then, you can start drinking large amounts of sauerkraut juice. That would be mm, one to four cups a day. It's a pretty big chunk, but it unfreezes your shoulders. <laughs> okay. Thank you, Dr. Daniels, for this important information. I now know how to approach pressure tactics from insurance companies. Absolutely. Just throw those things away, don't you know either. Dr. Daniels, I'm hearing a lot lately about endometriosis. And the treatments are all very complicated and expensive. That's true. And none of them are cured. That's true. From your perspective, what is the real cause of endometriosis? <laughs> the real cause of endometriosis is diet. Basically, dairy products. That would be, that's the short answer. The longer answer is um, you have a high dietary estrogen input. And you've got to find it, whatever it is, and stop it. And that's the best way to uh, get rid of endometriosis. Okay. Let's see here. If we have any more questions. Ah, there we go. Um, click over here. Ah, all right. Hi, you're on the air. Your name and your question? Okay. Okay. Let's go back to the chat room. The chat room says... Okay. So the chat room says, endometriosis is supposedly very painful condition. Is that the case? Yes. It's not supposedly painful. It is really, really painful. Um, and the awful thing about um, endometriosis is women get everything taken out. They get the ovaries cut out, the uterus cut out. I mean, the whole ball of wax. And guess what? The endometriosis comes back. Yes, it comes back. It's It's devastating. So the surgical solutions to endometriosis don't work. So women will get their all their female everything taken out, and the endometriosis will come back in their elbow or their armpit or someplace else in their abdomen. And that really um, indicates the truth, which is that endometriosis is a systematic a systemic problem of uh, dietary 
malpractice. In other words, you're eating junk that is destroying your body. And this endometriosis and this pain is just a symptom of it. But what we don't think you're trying to do is say, oh, no, no, it can't be your diet. Uh, no, mm-mm. Um, and every illness is treated as if it just fell out of the sky. Very mystical. And, and so what the medical industry has become <laughs> is a cover story, a um, fig leaf to cover and conceal all the poisons in our food, all the poisons in our environment that are causing our illnesses. And the doctor treats you like, oh, high blood pressure, no cause, no cure, let's go Ah, endometriosis, no cause, no cure, drugs for life. Oh, surgery, you got surgery. So that is the problem. And the problem is that um, the industry itself, the healthcare industry, if you want to call it that, is created to get people to ignore and conceal the true cause of their illness so that they would um, not try to solve the problem not try to change their diets, not try to identify the chemicals and poisons in their environment. Um, the theory of evil spirits and the evil eye causing things is actually a bit closer to the truth than our present health care system. Why? Because the person says, oh, my God, the evil spirits are causing my illness. At least then the person's going to say, let me look around in my environment and see where the evil spirits might be. Oh, let me stop associating with folks who don't like me. Start, let's start with that. With that. And then, okay, where else could this evilness be coming from? And so when you say to someone, it's genetic, there's no cause, there's no cure, then you're saying to them, don't worry about it. Just, just uh, you know, lie down and take it. Right, we have time for one brief question. Question here. Hi, you name your question, please. Yes, Dr. Daniels? Yes. My question is, if a person uh, does, uh, does have insurance and they go into the hospital, how can they, because of an accident, how can they um, not be treated and taken through like they, you know, to avoid If you have an accident, let's say a car accident, they presume you yes. have car accident coverage and you're treated as if you have insurance. And so there you gotcha. go. And especially for the car accident, that makes you a donor. Don't don't check that back of your license that says I will donate okay. organs, or your fender right. bender, bend, your fender bender will be fatal. Okay. Great. Thank yeah. you. That's and also, if a person, if a um, person wants to, like, die at home, is can. Like, is the person caring for them? Will they be liable if something happens to somebody under their care if they're not using the medical doctor? That's correct. So what I would do when I was practicing medicine mm-hmm. is people like that, they, mm-hmm. would, they would bring their loved one in, and I would say, yep, this person looks like they're going to die soon. And I would agree to sign the death certificate for them once the person dies. And so what happens then is the family and the person make whatever arrangements they want to make, and then when the person dies, the coroner, not the coroner, but the undertaker goes to the house to pick up the body. Right. And mm-hmm. then the, the undertaker will actually bring the death certificate to the doctor's office 
the doctor's signature, and boom, you're done. Hmm. So all I need to do is find a friendly doctor. In fact, the patient's own doctor um, mm-hmm. that they don't want to see anymore. Take them in and okay. say, look, grandma's sick. You can see she's sick. Is that right? Yep, she's sick. Okay, great. So she dies in the next, you know, I don't know, six months, year, whatever. Or look, grandma speaks mm-hmm. for herself. Hey, I want to die at home. And will you sign mm-hmm. a death certificate? Great. We're using this undertaker. Boom. Everything's done. He's made a note in the chart. When she turns up dead six months, two years later, whatever, um, the undertaker has instructions. They bring him the death certificate. He signs it. He's done. Okay. All right. Thank I would you do very that. much. Mm-hmm. Okay. You're welcome. Good luck. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right. We are done. Another episode. And as always, think happens. And remember, if you're being threatened, you're being threatened for a reason. That reason is you actually do have a choice. You exercise your choice. Do you have to? Okay. Thank you.